Hey everybody, this is um, Live from the Couch, episode 13. Um, it's a very special episode because, uh, well, to be honest, it's actually not that special. Uh, in fact, <laughs> this is a, a very average episode. It goes so far as to say it's um, borderline. What the hell? <laughs> this is, I thought you were going to be building me up or something here. Well... My guest is, you know, decided to to jump right in, um, and I'm going to introduce him in a second. Um, and he's proving to, you know, that uh, the averageness of this episode, which I was about to expound upon, is not that average. Um, my guest is somebody that I, you know, know for a long time. Uh, it's got to be about ten years now, and. Uh, we connected as many people do through the internet uh, back when he had a very small following of, I want to say about 10 followers on Twitter or something like that. <laughs> and I remember, I don't know if, if I followed him or he followed me, but I just recall that um, I just thought he was a very funny guy. And um, mostly um, when I follow somebody or get into their work, I, I mostly, uh, get into, you know, just do they have a, a unique voice and a personality and so on and so forth. And um, <clears throat> people and, you know, through the years, it's been really interesting and uh, rewarding to see um, a lot of the good things that have been happening for him and uh, have happened already. So um, my guest today is uh, the author and the man now has an internet reach longer than Akeem Olajuwon, uh, <laughs> he, or maybe he would prefer I say Tim Duncan. There you go. Or, That's better. Well, Shea Serrano, welcome to the podcast. Um, you know, thank you for being on. Yeah, for sure. I would not have come on if I knew that how you you were going to introduce me. Though you should tell me ahead of time. <laughs> I would told you to go to hell. <laughs> It was me. It was me who followed you first. I remember because that because at this point I was just starting out. I was like young, trying to find out who all the, like who the cool New York writers were who were writing about the stuff that I liked, and I I kept seeing the name Paul Cantor pop up over and over again. I was like, I, sh I should probably know this guy, and that's how it all started. And then I emailed you, and then we started. I started bothering you on uh, on Google Chat and hitting you up all the time. Just be like, oh, hey, what's up, friend? Until eventually you just decided you were going to be my friend on the Internet. It took me a while, though. <laughs> it wasn't fast. I don't want you to tell this story like, oh, I brought him under my wing. It was no problem at all. Like, you tried to ignore me for a long time. And eventually you just got tired of ignoring me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't think. Maybe it was. I don't know. Fuck it. I, I'll, I'll run with that narrative. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with it. And, uh, you know, I think that's how a lot of us, you know, were connecting back then. I mean, that had to be about 2010 or 11 or so. And, you know, it was a very innocent time, right? I mean, um, with a lot of online content, it wasn't like quite as inflammatory as it is now, you know, where you're getting death threats and all kinds of fucking crazy shit, you know, for everything you write. So, um you know, a lot of us were just like, we were just seeking out people that did similar shit. And we were like, oh, shit, this person's funny. Or, oh, they have like a unique point of view. Or, oh, they're covering like music that I 
fuck with. And that's kind of like how, you know, um, everybody kind of got cool with each other, like online. Would you agree? Yeah, that sounds about about right. It's different for it was different for people who weren't in New York or or L.A. Because like for us, I'm down here in Texas. I've been in Texas my whole life. For me, it was like get trying to figure out who was who looking at like Twitter sort of changed all this stuff, but you get on Twitter and you see like, okay, these people seem to be interacting with each other all the time. And then you search their names and read about them. And they're like, Oh, these eight people are all living in New York and they're all about the same age. And they all sort of, maybe they met in college or, or I don't know, for me, it was all strictly internet stuff, but it, but there was a very clear, like there were circles of people who to me seemed like these are the cool New York internet writers. There's like this group, let's say like, for example, John Caramonica, Sean Fennessy, Paul Cantor, Chris Ryan. Like, there's a group of people who seem to like all exist in the same universe, and then you start finding other people off of those, and then off of those, and that's how that's how it was for for my. And I imagine you've you've met a few a few of these people in in real life. There are still people that even after talking to them for years online, I have never like looked in their face in person. You know what I'm saying? I I didn't meet you until the until uh, you came to the the book event we had in New York and you showed up and I was like, Oh, it was like meeting a celebrity. Cause I've been looking at you on the computer for so long. And then there you are in real life. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of interesting how, um, I mean, you can get a perception of a person like um, through all that shit that isn't an accurate reflection of who they are. <laughs> um, you know, it's like all that shit. I mean, you're able to, kind of build up a little bit of a persona, you know, um, I think with somebody like myself, I actually don't think that like my internet personality is, is all that reflective of, of my actual personality. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I hung out with you, you one know, time I think... and I was like, why, why is he so angry on the internet? He's the nicest guy I've ever met in real life. You like, had your girl, here, you were all excited and smiling. Like this ain't the same person. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's just that's just how like internet shit is. I mean, um, but it, you know, how much of what? Like, I guess. I mean, my first actual question to you would be, you know, as somebody who, um, well, I think as at, at, at last, you know, count, you're up at over like three hundred thousand you know, followers, right? Um, I mean, how have you changed the way you, um, like, engage with all of that stuff? I mean, do you feel like you're the same person you were back then? Or, I mean, do you feel that you're sort of uh, more conscious of who's paying attention now? Uh, there, so there are two answers here uh, because there's, like, two parts of this this whole thing. With just being on Twitter and interacting with with people, I think it's it's the same now as it was before. Yeah, you, you get a lot of followers like that, and most of them never interact with you at all. But it seems to me that there's a group who are always in my mentions, or always like making jokes back and forth. People that are just like whatever. This guy works at he's a, a teacher and he gets on during his off period, or this woman works at a bank and she tweets during her lunchtime or or whatever there's like a group of people who you see a lot and everybody else just sort of is is like sitting on the porch listening to the conversation but not actually joining in 
so it doesn't feel it doesn't feel any different when I see if I look at like how many people or try to think about how many people there are because it's just I'm just interacting with the same ones on the internet. Um, but the back end of that, the like professional side of that, is conversations with other I don't know publications or more than publications, just like businesses. That's a that's different now. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me to walk into a place and like I know they have to take me seriously because they've seen some of the stuff that we were able to do on the internet. And like I could be as silly as I want, playing around on Twitter and making jokes and telling Donald Trump to fuck off or whatever. And then you get in the room and then they're asking you real questions about like whatever, and they're trying to give you some money to explain to them how the internet works or whatever bullshit like that. But yeah, there's two different things. Um, professionally, it's changed a bunch on just like a hanging out personal thing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel any different at all. What's an example of, of the second part, you know, where, where you're walking into a room, like, is there something you can think of specifically where, you, where you've had a conversation like that? Uh, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you an easy one since we're, we're talking about, writing and and book stuff when the first when the first book came out the rap year book the publisher had all of the leverage in this situation they paid me twenty five thousand dollars to write this book which is not it sounds like a lot if you're used to getting twenty dollars a blog post or whatever um and then you get in the end of the work and you realize you're doing two years worth of work for this much money and that sucks but they paid me that much money they had all the leverage i'm i'm trying to like do what i want to do and they're telling me nah like the cover, for example, the cover of that book. I hate the cover of that book. I don't like it at all. And I told them that when they were making it, and they were like, cool, thanks for the notes. We're going to do what we want. And then they just made the cover like that. And and they were well within their rights, too, because it that was how the contract was structured. I didn't have any say in any of that. But after that book came out, and it did really well, and they were able to like track and see, like, oh, a lot of these sales came because of the stuff that was happening on Twitter. Uh, all right, cool. Now the next book, when the basketball book comes out, there's a whole different relationship now. Now now I felt like they needed me as much as I needed them. It was much more of a partnership. So they could get bring ideas to me and I'd be like, I don't really feel like that's the way to do this. We should try it this way. And now they have to, they have to listen to me uh, because I'm telling them, if I mean, if we don't do it, I don't want to be like a dick about this, but if we don't do it the way I want to do it, then I'm not going to push the book. And if I don't push the book, it's probably not going to sell. And they're like, all right, good. I guess we're going to do what you want to do. Or if not that, they're going to at least take me a little more seriously. And my editor, I think that I think you met her. Her name is Samantha Weiner. She was like right. – she, Well, she's my, she's my editor. Yeah, now. right. Um, I, I, yeah, I was thinking like at the time. But yeah, now, of course, y'all know each other. But she was always like in my camp and like in my ear trying to explain everything. And like this is how it's going to work and this is how we can try to get what you want to do. But like beyond her, it was like a – I didn't have any interaction with these people, so they just were sort of doing what they wanted. But yeah, after after the books did well, or after the book did well, then they had to they had to listen to me. And I remember a very specific situation where they, I I went out to New York. We were getting ready for the book stuff, and I I walked into a room, and there were like there's a big conference table in there, and there were like ten or twelve people sitting around the table, all with ideas of like here's how we can try to help push the book or this is some stuff we were thinking about and that didn't happen in the beginning uh it didn't happen until we had a certain level of success and then now now they have to like take things a little more seriously you know what i'm saying 
Right. And what were some of, what, what were some of their ideas? Uh, they had they had like a lot more. They wanted to do a lot more tour stops. They wanted to to like um, try to get publicity. I don't know. Try to go or try to get stories here or they like a, a lot of it was they were just trying to figure out how do you get somebody to to buy a thing and right. uh, and, and and I felt like an idiot in that room because I was like I honest I don't know I don't know like the the easy answer to tell you this because. This is not like a thing that I'm trying to do. We're just sort of you're bullshitting around with your friends on the internet, and that's all that I'm doing. There's no like long term plan here. This could it could all fall apart tomorrow. I don't know, but that always made me laugh because they're like, "Well, how do you, how did you get them to buy this book? We we tried to do this with another one of our authors, and it didn't work." And I'm just sitting there like, "I don't know. Did you did you t- did you call everybody a motherfucker on Twitter and be like?" buy the book motherfucker or whatever like the, i don't have any good ideas for you i'm sorry you're, you're, i don't know what to, i don't know what to tell you right 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 here yeah, and and your point is like this was kind of an organic thing right um i'm kind of in the space right like it's kind of a cafeteria right you have people who are outside of the cafeteria who see a bunch of people playing around and are like Hmm, maybe I can go in in there and I can get something out of it. Whereas you're like, I'm just in the cafeteria because I like it. Yeah, exactly. And, and and that's all that it is. It's like you're just you're you're on you're you're on Twitter or wherever you are on Instagram, and you and you have these relationships with these people. And after a while, they decide if they want to like support your dreams or whatever, um, or right. they don't. Like it's the same thing with with this this podcast right now that we're recording you messaged me and you're like hey i sent an email to your publicist or whatever your pr guy and do you want to be on the podcast i didn't hear back and i'm like why are you going through this guy doesn't know who you are he doesn't know what your podcast is he's probably not gonna like forward you along to me but you came straight to me and i was like of course i want to do the thing we'll do whatever you want to do because you're fucking paul and i've known you for forever it's the same exact way like you're just it's all just relationships and if you if you if you have those then cool it's going to work out and if you don't then it's then it's probably not well i mean just 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 for our clarity's sake i mean he emailed me and, oh, and well, was there you like go. yeah hey, you know uh is there anything we can do let me send you the book and, and um i don't know like the last couple books i just bought them you know yeah. what i'm saying um, which I was just pre- fully prepared to do this time as well. You know, well, you, most you should. Those, you definitely still should buy it. <laughs> I, would, I would rather just get a sale. So, um, so anyway, he was like, "Can I send you the book?" And then you know, I have a lot of people asking me to cover shit as if I'm like fucking like as if I work somewhere, which is which is <laughs> funny. Right. Um, so. Um, I have the book actually sitting in front of me. Um, I did read some of it already. Um, and I mean, it's clearly, you know, uh, for some of the people that are listening to this, um, I have a very large listenership, um, which, you know, despite what I'm, what I'm saying about how I record the podcast, um, and how, how low maintenance it is, it's actually a very large listenership, thousands of people. Um, who tune in to hear me talk for two hours straight. Um, and they may not be familiar with you, but it's possible they are, but they may not. And um, I want to just talk real briefly about these other books 
um, you know, that you've done, and then I can kind of introduce the new one. Um, so in 2012, you had, you know, the coloring book with Bun B, right? Um, I believe that was 2012. Um, then you had the rap year book, which you've talked a little bit about. Um, that's the most important rap song from every year since 1979, discussed, debated, and deconstructed. 2017, you, you had basketball and other things. Um, and the new book um, is called Movies and Other Things, and that is uh, officially out um, October 8th. Um, it's a little bit of like a franchise you're building up here the, and other things. Yeah. Um, how was the, you know, experience of doing this book different than working on the basketball one, if at all? Well, the, the work is the same. It's a, you know, this is a third proper book that I've written. By this point, I sort of have a decent understanding of how much time I'm going to need to spend in each section, how much research is going to go into it, this whole thing. That's all, that's all about the same. I, the main difference here is with the basketball one, it was much more – that's a much more uh, quarantined content. Uh, we have the beginning and ends of seasons. There's a clear – there's a winner at the end of the season. Some stuff happens between the beginning and the end, and there you go. And everybody know. I mean – Every there are what thirty basketball teams, thirty-two teams. Each team has twelve players on it. Like there's a limited number of players. There's a smaller number of all stars. There's an even smaller number of of superstars, and there's a tiny number of like legendary figures that everybody's gonna know about. Um, so it's easy for me to be like, I'm put out a, a book about basketball, and then everybody's head they're gonna be like, well, he's probably at some point going to write about LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whatever. With a movie book, everything is just so much bigger so much broader so much harder to to gather um so if i tell you i'm gonna write a movie book you have in your head a thousand different movies you're like i wonder if he's gonna write about these ones you know what i'm saying and that's not to say that movie stars are are less famous than basketball stars in a lot of situations they're more famous but it's just it's it's harder to get all of them in there, all the ones that you that you want to in there. So it took a long time in the beginning, especially uh, uh, figuring out what do I want the book to feel like, what do I want the book to look like, what do I want to cover in the book, and what am I okay with not covering? Because there's going to have to be a lot of stuff that I'm not going to to be able to write about, really. Right. Um, now I want to run through some of the chapters here, uh, just so people can get a sense of like, you know, what, what they're dealing with. Okay. Um, all right. So like one chapter you have, um, it's really the one that made me like, uh, really pay attention. I think it's chapter three. It's, um, it's called were the Jurassic park Raptors just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That one was um, really funny, you know, where you kind of make the argument like, hey, look, uh, through the Jurassic Park series, the Raptors went from being fucking pretty like hated <laughs> to all of a sudden being like totally like assets in this in this franchise. <laughs> um, so that that one was like really funny. Um, another one that I that really jumped out of me was what's the order of the gangster movie moment fictional draft? Um, where you kind of um, you kind of 
uh, pull apart, you know, some uh, gangster movies and um, some real classics and kind of get into like moments from them that, you know, can basically be ranked. Um, you have another called, uh, can we talk about Selena for a minute? Um, another that, that, I mean, just the titles alone, you know, do you want to read an essay about Friday? Um, and uh, my personal favorite, uh, which I think is the last chapter, uh, which is what was Dominic Torres' win loss record? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, how do you come up with a with with one of these questions that you're looking to answer? I mean, do you have like a big laundry list of like 300 things you're thinking about, or um, like you know, how do you kind of suss out what which ones to focus on? It definitely starts out like that. I have a. I have a document on my computer that has just has a ton of stuff similar to what's in the book, just different ideas that have that have popped up into my head at some point that I, I would eventually like to talk about or or write about. Um, so I start with that, and then I figure out which of those which of those can I can be the most uh, meaningful. Which of those would allow me to do like a lot of the a lot of the writing tricks that I that I like to do whenever I'm putting stuff together like this, because I think a big, a big part of any of the, the books that I'm working on or writing, especially with the and other things series uh, that we're building is I want, I, I always want to figure out a way to take like a, a small idea that I can be very specific about the Raptors, for example, um, that you, that you mentioned. I want to take this like very small, very specific idea that I could, mentioned that nobody has talked about yet nobody has had this conversation yet that's always important i want to do i want to present an idea and then in your head you should immediately be like oh yeah i know what you're talking about like as soon as you say that nobody thinks about like the 20 whatever year history of the jurassic park movie franchise in terms of the the raptors alone but as soon as you remember like oh remember in the first jurassic park the raptors are the bad guys they're they're just the straight up villains of the movie they talk about them in this very villainous specific kind of way the person who's in charge of taking care of them um the robber character he's just straight up like we should kill them they should be killed because they're killers and they're vicious and you and they're uncontrollable and then by the time we get to jurassic world the new caretaker, Owen Grady, Chris Pratt's character, is just straight up like it has a relationship based on respect with the Raptors. And they work together and they're like not necessarily friends, but they're friendly enough that you can be around one and he won't or she won't eat your face off. Like as soon as you, as soon as you hear the idea for the chapter, you go like, oh, I get it. All right, cool. I need to know what the answer is. And then once you get into the chapter – um, there's a bunch of other stuff that's in there that is like a little, a little slicker, hopefully a little smarter, hopefully a little more insightful than what you were expecting. Because one of my favorite things to do is take something that's really, really dumb and then treat it with a great deal of respect and, and, and as seriously as possible. And it seems like people sort of respond to that if for no other reason than because it's like validation, like the thing that you cared about somebody else cares about it as much and if not that specific thing it allows you to go like well it's okay that i care about game of thrones this much because this guy cares about blood sport this much and game of thrones is far superior to blood sport, or whatever you know what i'm saying like so whenever i'm yeah yeah I, I yeah so when i'm picking the chapters that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure i have the the, the space to do that what do you think is the dumbest chapter in here that you treated seriously? 
I I would I would guess. Let me look. I'm gonna look right now. I think it's probably that that Finding Nemo and John Travolta chapter, or because both of those movies start out with like extremely intense openings that are like you don't realize how tragic the Finding Nemo one is until you're an adult and you're like, oh shit, this movie right. this movie starts out with a guy, his wife gets eaten, four hundred of his children get killed and eaten. And just as, and the only one left is his handicapped son, and like wow, like right. if that, if this was a real, if these were real people, this movie would just crush you. Um, but it's probably that one, or or it's the Michael Myers press conference, which just started out as the dumbest, the the the, the dumbest, most like basic idea. Michael Myers never talks. Wouldn't it be funny if he was in a situation where he was talking a lot, like a press conference? What was the response when you? like you know turn some of this stuff in i mean you mentioned earlier that you know um there was this like let's say the rap year book there was this like sort of question mark like you know um well i mean you you pretty you pretty much were like on your own with that um then the book sold they do another one this book you're actually with a completely new publisher mm-hmm. um were people like scratching their heads when you handed this in or were people like, okay, let's just let him do his thing. Um, I mean, what was that experience like? That was, that, that's exactly what you're describing right there. In the first one with the rap yearbook, it was just, I'm sure other stuff was happening outside of like, outside of rooms that I was inside of. But for the most part, it seemed like it was me and Samantha building this thing together I'm bouncing ideas off of her. She's like fixing my chapters for me. Uh, it was the two of us sort of working together. And then a similar thing with, with the basketball book. But but yeah, by the time we got to the basketball book, I was just like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And here you go. Like if you have notes on it, great. But if your note is, this is a bad idea, let's not do it. I'm probably not going to listen to it. I mean, I'm going to listen to it, but I'm probably not going to do what you want me to do. And, and, and I hate that it has to be that way, but that's just what it what it is. I'm sorry, and uh, so that's that's what it was with the with the movie book and the editors. I think they like in the basketball case, Samantha. She knew that at that point because we had that conversation, and I and I had I was throwing a fit every time they wanted to change one little tiny thing. I was being really just like a jackass about it but she 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 got very good at like talking me off the edge of the cliff like there were a couple of times where i was just straight up like i'm sending you your money back i'm not finishing this book you can have it or whatever because they were trying to change like a tiny a tiny thing but yeah she got very good at, 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 at like keeping me from floating away too far in outer space so that i killed myself and uh um and it's the same thing with the the new editor's guy named sean He's a similar way. Like he's letting me do the stuff that I want to do. Um, and he, he has like a very like gentle touch and he's just like sort of, I don't know. It's like, oh, you know what it's like? It's like if you have a, a small child and they're running around through the front room as fast as they want. Like you can't get the kid to stop running. All you can do is try to like direct her uh, away from the corner of the table so that she doesn't gouge her eyeball out. And that's me. I'm the baby in this situation just running as fast as I can in all these different directions and Sean, Samantha, Donnie at the ringer, they're just like trying to make sure that I don't run into the corner of the table and, and poke my eyeball out. Right. Right. I mean, is that, and is that, um, 
an interesting position for you to be in. I mean, you uh, talked about it a little bit earlier, but I mean, um, it, it is true. You were a teacher before all this, right? Where you were like the adult in the room. <laughs> um, and um, now you, you kind of get to be the little kid running around. <laughs> I mean, would you say that that's like uh, the natural state of things for you? I mean, like, or is the teacher and your father as well. So like, you know, like how do you feel that that represents you? Like, is it accurate? I mean, or do you just do it because you can? Uh, At this point, I'm just sort of doing it because I can. And, Hmm. and now, now I want to make sure we're clear here. This is, this is all happening within like a very structured environment. This is all happening within uh, like a very professional set. I'm not just like calling up people and cussing people out or whatever. It's more, it's more like I'm going to be upfront with you. This is what this is like my work process. And and like if we can get along, great. If we can't, then great. Like with Sean, um, before we signed any deals to work together, he made an offer on the book. I was like, all right, this sounds cool. But I, but like we talked on the phone. And I said, I'd like to sit down with you and then like be around you for a minute and see, do we get along? So I flew out to New York um, and Laramie and I went and we sat down and we had breakfast together and we talked through some things and I was very upfront about like how I would handle certain situations. And he was upfront with how he would handle certain situations. And I was like, all right, cool. This is, this is what I need because I, I like, I understand I I need somebody who's just sort of going to let me feel like I'm doing what I want to do, but I also need somebody to who's going to be like a strong enough person that they're going to like when a no has to be a no, I I know that. So like a good example is with in the book, in the movie book, if you're flipping through it, we've got a bunch of footnotes in there. And I had, for some reason I had it in my head that I absolutely 100% did not want to have footnotes on the first page of any chapter. And I don't know why I thought this. I just decided for whatever reason we did in the basketball book. It was not even an issue at all. It was like, cool. That's how it has to be. That's how it has to be. But in this one, I was like, this is unacceptable. I don't like this, Sean. I think that this looks ugly. I think it looks bad. This is. I don't want to do this anymore. But like we were, go, we were going back and forth, and he, you know, it was him and this other guy named Jared who designed the book. And they're like, well, this is the reason we have to do it. And we we were trying to do it this way, we trying to do it that way, and, and eventually, as you can see in the book. They were able to they, – they got it the way that they that, – not even the way that they wanted it, but the way that it needed to be done. It would have made no sense. I realized it later on. Like three weeks later, I was like, oh, shit, good thing they didn't let me do that. I realized it later on. I flipped me through the book, and I'm like, this makes so much more sense. I understand it. Now, at the time, for whatever reason, you know, you just get a thing in your head, and you dig in for no reason at all. Like that's sort of what happens to me every once in a while when I'm working on a thing. I just – dig in on, on like a point of view or an idea and I ref- I'm not going to back down. Um, but I need somebody who can, I, I, I need, I need that editor there so that I can make sure that it ends up being the way that it's supposed to be. Right, right, right. Um, not any, I mean, you, you, you talked about it a little bit earlier in, 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 in the sense of like, you know, having this sort of big list um, of questions and, and also like, you know, 
coming up with things that you think a person might identify with, you know, when they are just like the Raptors, like, oh, fuck, I've had that thought before. I've seen all those fucking movies, you know what I'm saying? And that is kind of like something I maybe I've thought but overlooked. And now this is kind of interesting. Um, but to actually go in and do the work is like a completely separate fucking thing. Right. Um, I mean, having the question, I mean, is, the, you know, the beginning, right. It's the kernel of an idea, but, um, you know, uh, actually getting that research. I mean, you, it's not like you freestyled the fucking book, right. You know, it's, it's, um, it's work, you know? So, um, which of these chapters, um, did you find, um, I mean, if there was one, I mean, was there one that you walked in with a question, you know, something you were looking to tackle and you were like, you, you know, you felt that it was really challenging to get through or you kind of maybe lost interest midway or it was just like, fuck, I didn't sign up for this. When I, when I thought of the original question, was there one where it was like, this is probably a little bit more involved than I was thinking about? Uh, you know what? It's actually it's actually the opposite that that happens more often because the stuff that's really dense like that is to me the stuff that ends up being the most interesting because that's like the the whole point of doing a book like this um, or my whole point. Uh, it, you're just distilling information, um, distilling ideas, distilling insight. Uh, so you want to have as much material to to draw from as possible. It just works better that way so more often than more often than not what happened is i would have an idea that sounds like it's going to be that sounds like a great idea in my head this is going to be so much fun to write and then it turns out that it wasn't a good idea it was just like a funny joke that should have been a tweet and i tried to turn it into a chapter and then i got 1400 words in and i was all the way exhausted with the idea and it just was like this is stupid this is this was like a this wasn't a good idea. This was a this was a funny joke that you tried to turn into a thing that it, that it wasn't. And that happened way more often. So, here's an example. I had this idea. It was one of the first chapters that I thought of for the book, and I think I might have mentioned it in the pitch. And my idea was, I really like Brad Pitt. I want to talk about Brad Pitt in the book. Brad Pitt is an interesting human. He's an interesting movie star. Um in in that he's this very talented guy. Who, who is a really great actor, but he is so incredibly handsome that it sort of detracts from how talented of an a actor he is. Like, you do watch a movie, and that's always the first thing you think of. I watched Moneyball the other night, and I'm like, ah, oh, this was a great period for Brad Pitt in, in his life. He's been, he's been attractive his whole life, but this period of Brad Pitt, I've, I'm, I, really, I really enjoy it. Right, whatever. I like Brad Pitt a lot, and I wanted to write about him. And so I was trying to find like a, a through line, something interesting that I, I didn't want to pick just one Brad Pitt movie because I wanted to get through a bunch of them. And so the idea I had was after looking through all of his uh, filmography, after watching several Brad Pitt movies, um, I realized that a thing was happening in many of them. And that thing is that whoever he was dating, whoever he was like boyfriend or girlfriend with or, or married with, something terrible happens to her in that movie. And so, so the chapter idea, the original chapter idea was which of Brad Pitt's movie wives had the worst luck. That was the, that was the title of the chapter. And then the whole chapter was going to be me going through each of the movies where something bad happened to his wife or his girlfriend. Now, in, in the movie seven serial killer flick, his wife gets her head cut off 
and then mailed to him that happens to his wife in that movie while she's pregnant, by the way. Um, in the movie, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, the, uh, his, his girl there, her dancing career gets ruined because she has a leg injury from a car crash. Um, and her husband turns into a baby. Like that's bad. That's a bad. That's a bad break for this woman who just married this handsome guy. Um, it happens in in Legends of the Fall. It happens to two women in Legends of the Fall: Susanna and Isabel. They're they end up like one one of them kills herself, and the other one gets killed by a police officer. It happens in the movie California. It happens in Allied. It happens in Thelma and Louise. It happens in Too Young to Die. It happens in Fight Club. Like there are a bunch of movies where this happens. And so I was like, I was like, oh, this is such a great idea. I'm going to write this chapter. And then I got to this point in the chapter that you and I just finished that took me 30 seconds. And then I realized like this is, I mean, I can probably finish this if I wanted to, but I ran out of, I ran out of material just that fast. Um, mm. And so then there were a bunch of situations where, where something like that happened. And mm. so I, I, I would take that whole chapter and then I would just slide it into like, like this part that I'm telling you right now that ended up being just a small piece of a separate chapter later on that I threw in there. Cause I thought it was like, Oh, cool. Um, but that, that happened a bunch of times while I was working on the book for sure. Right. Right. I mean, and was there one, you know, given that experience, I mean, was there one where you kind of dove in and as you were, as you're, you're talking about like this Brad Pitt, you know chapter for example was there one where you were going in with a very small idea and it turned into something a lot bigger than you thought it would be uh yeah the those are the, the chapters in the book that ended up being like multiple parts so right. yeah, i wasn't planning for that stuff to happen it just sort of happened so like you mentioned the gangster movie moment fictional draft that was supposed to be just like a small thing about the movie a bronx tale which is my favorite gangster movie. Uh, never has never gotten its due. It's really good. People sort of know about it and respect it, but it's never been a movie that's like consistently mentioned with Goodfellas or or Casino or The Godfather or whatever. So that chapter ended up. It was supposed to only be about that movie, and then it just became. It ended up being three full chapters of uh, about all gangster gangster movies. So that's a, that's that's one of those for sure. Right. Right. Um, so the um, the book is out um, October eighth, um, and I mean, what's I mean, you're 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 out here doing interviews and shit like that. I mean, um, and you're 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 hyping the book up. Um, you know, would you say the anticipation for it has? been better uh worse um on par with the last book i mean uh, how, how are you feeling about everything um at the moment i whenever the book is about to come out and you're going to experience the same thing you are you're going to be terrified and you're going to think that nothing is going right and everything is going bad and nobody's going to buy the book and that's just that's just what it feels like so if, if i allow myself if i allow myself to give in to those emotions, then I would tell you right now that it, everything's going worse than I thought it would go. The mm -hmm. book turned out terribly. The, I'm rereading it now, and the chapters are bad, and everybody's going to hate it, and nobody, not enough people are buying it. Um, but if I can separate myself from that, 
I can look and I can see that I have the book in front of me right now. And it, it turned out beautifully. I love the, I love the hardcover. I love the matte finish. I love, I love how, how bright the colors came out. That was a, that was an issue I had with the basketball book. I didn't think it was bright enough. Um, I love the way that the for, it's formatted. We have at this point, 19, 20,000 pre-orders already, which is, uh, where we we have more than we had at this point with the basketball book, so that's that's always a good sign. Uh, it's you know I've got two I've got two answers there. Part of me feels like it's going terribly, and the other part of me feels like really thankful and really grateful that it's it's going as well as it is and that it turned out as well as it did. Um, how come you didn't write about the Sandlot? I had the Sandlot. See, that's that's a chapter that I had to cut out of there. <laughs> I had that in there and I posted that chapter. So this is, this is, this is how, how bad I am at this, at this job at the moment, but I knew how much space I had in the book. Um, and I knew when I did the basketball book that we had to cut stuff that I really wanted in there because we didn't have enough space. So when I pitched them this movie book, I said, can you give me, I need 16 more pages. Um, the, the books come in spreads. You can, like, you can't get two extra pages, but you can get eight or 16 or whatever. Um, so I said, I need 16 more. The other one was 240. Let's make this one 256 because I've already got like too many ideas that I want to write about. And even still, with the extra space, with 16 extra pages, I still wrote, I still wrote, I don't know, 64 pages more than I should have or something stupid like that. Like I, I went way past what I was supposed to. And so I had to cut a bunch of stuff. And the, the Sandlot chapter was one of them. It was a chapter about the Sandlot, um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, an all-time great movie character, and Ferris Bueller from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And in those two movies, both of those movies end with the main character, with Ferris and with Benny, having to outrun something. And and, and of course, there's like a literal thing they're outrunning. In Ferris's case, he is trying to outrun his sister who is driving his mother home because she's trying to catch him pretending to be sick. And in the Sandlot, Benny is trying to outrun the beast, the dog. And so that was what the chapter was about. And then, and then of course, you get into like what they're really trying to outrun and what does this mean as a person, as a movie character, blah, blah, blah. It was this whole thing. But that chapter ended up getting cut. So I did write about it, Paul. I'll email you the chapter so you can see it. Um, they, included, they actually included it in the, in the ebook version because there's no like space constrictions there. So the extra chapters were like, cool, just slide them in here. Um, but the physical book, well, we had to, we had to cut it out. That was one of the toughest cuts that we had to make. I was like doing everything I could to figure out how to fit it in there. That mm -hmm. one and the Tom Hanks chapter, those are the two that were the hardest. That, those were the last two cuts we made and it sucked. Well, I, I think what's interesting is, uh, you, you know, you, you allude to it um, in that, that gangster, um, gangster movie like moment um chapter uh it's really like a very small line but um it kind of it made me think a lot and it's a line about miller's crossing mm -hmm. uh, and you're like mm. <laughs> I, I this is i think the line is something like well i should have cared more about this or i i should have a lot more thoughts about this if i paid more attention in school or something like that yeah and you're, and I think it was kind of like getting to something really interesting uh, about doing a book like this, which is like, how do you, you know, um, how do you talk about movies 
like in an intellectual way? Um, and how do you take something that could be a tweet and, you know, build out a whole chapter on it, but also how do you cover things that a lot of people care about? Right. Because um, there are movies that you may have been, you know, moved by personally. Right. But, but you know, like nobody gives a shit about this movie. Um, and like, you may have a lot of, interesting thoughts about it but you know nobody's going to relate to the idea um and uh that's kind of like i think with something like the sandlot for example right like that's that's kind of a niche movie you know what i'm saying it's it's not i feel like it's part of so many of our childhoods but i think a lot of people don't know that what that movie is you know what i'm saying like so it's it's kind of like one of those yeah, maybe you should cut this because not everybody knows this movie, you know? Yeah, I, although I would I would disagree with you. I think The Sandlot is like one of the most beloved, most popular movies that's ever been. Um, it's like a, it's a movie everybody talks about when they talk about baseball movies, for sure. And and I don't remember exactly how much it made at the box office, but it it definitely had a second life afterward. It's like a it's like a movie that they still show in in school. But to get to your question, the line that you're talking about in the gangster movie chapter, yeah, it was like it was about Miller's Crossing. It was like if I was twenty percent smarter, this movie would have I would have liked this movie a lot more. I'm not I'm not like the like a very I won't say I'm not very smart. I'm like a probably reasonable average intelligence. Um, but that movie, directed by the Cohen brothers, cinematography by Barry Sonnenfield, like. Like that, like that's a that's a very thick gangster movie, and people who who like it love it, and people who don't don't. Like uh, Sean Finnessy is a is a good example here. He was the first person I thought of when I watched this movie. It was it was everything in the movie was so packed in and so clearly really well done. Just great writing, great great uh, like a what do you call it? I don't know direction. It was like. I watched it and I said, Sean Fantasy loved this movie. I know it because that's how he processes movies. He just, he's interested in all of those little tiny intricate details and wrinkles in smart movies. And I sent him a message. I said, Sean, do you, how much do you love Miller's Crossing? And then when he responded back, he sent me a fucking picture. He was sitting in his office and behind his desk is a framed Miller's Crossing poster. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is exactly perfect. Like that's a, what what i was thinking um but yeah you when you're doing a, a book like this when you're doing any sort of book the point of the book is not to cover every single thing and talk about everything that every person has ever cared about you you can't do that you can you, you definitely get sort of paralyzed by the thought of of not being able to do that and like oh my god people are going to be mad that i didn't talk about this movie or that movie or whatever um but the more time you spend with it, the more you begin to realize, or, or at least for me anyway, the, the more I began to realize that it was less about covering all of the movies that everybody else cared about. And it was more about it was more about drilling down to like a specific feeling because everybody is having the same sorts of feelings. We're just having it about different things. You and I care about movies differently. You, you care about Nas in a way that I would never care about Nas. Like you process him, you process his music. It it touches you in a way that it can't for me. 
because I didn't grow up in, in that area, because I didn't grow up uh, in, in a way that you did, um, with an understanding of the like environment that you have. I, I feel differently about Nas than you do, but I do feel the same way about Nas. I mean, I, I do feel the same way about a rapper that you do about Nas. So when you wrote that one article about Illmatic, and I think I emailed you about it specifically, I tweeted about it. It was like this really beautifully written thing, and I read it, and it stuck with me. I still think about it now, not because it like made me think of Nas in a new way, but because it made me go, oh, I get it. Nas is to Paul what this person is to me. Nas is to Paul what like Andre 3000 is to me or Pimp C is to me or Missy Elliott is to me. Like I get it. I understand it. And, and I think that's what, what you want to do, what, certainly what I want to do in a situation like this where I have a finite amount of space and I can only talk about a certain number of movies. And I know I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but if I can get to like the five main feelings that everybody's feeling whenever they're watching a movie that they care about, then the book will make sense to somebody. Then they'll go like, Oh, I get it. Like he cares about this the same way I care about that. And I understand that feeling. And that's really all that, I'm trying to to get to because that's what people respond to. That's what people remember. That's what that's what makes somebody feel a thing. Not that we talked about the same thing, but that we had the same sort of feeling about anything. And that's 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 where like the that's where the magic secret sauce is for when a thing works out as well as like your Nas piece did. You know what I'm saying? I think the the Nas thing um, that you're talking about is probably, I think I wrote something about like a drug dealer that I knew who um, yeah, came to your house. Yeah, I was actually in his house and oh, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. like banging up the drugs and all that. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, that was such a very specific, you know, it's, it's really interesting now. I mean, one of the reasons why, I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, um, talking to you, you know, and um, I think one of the things that, you know, um, I've always appreciated about your work is like, um, you know, there's not that much stuff. Like, I see a lot of shit personally, and I feel like I can do that. You know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of people who do stuff, and I'm like, oh, I can do that thing, you know. Um, but I think that, you know, your ability to kind of tap into um, these sort of feelings that people have for, you know, a variety of different things, be it, you know, basketball or movies, um, you know, is very special. Whereas see that like Nas thing, um, nobody had that experience. I don't think, you know, like, mm -hmm. so it's very, it's very unique to like me. Um, I don't feel, and I could tell because, you know, it's like, it's not like a whole bunch of people read that. Like, I mean, a small group of people have, you know, were moved by it, but it's a very niche, like personal experience. Um, and I mean, I think that's also one of the great things that um, you were able to do like with the rap yearbook um, and I mentioned the rap yearbook now, even though it's, it's in the past because I want to get to, you know, uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about. But one of the great things about the rap yearbook, which um, uh, nobody ever asks me about my little rebuttal that I wrote in there. <laughs> um they'll be like oh i really like that book and i'm like you know i have this little thing in there but uh <laughs> one, of, one of the things that i really loved about that book was you kind of invited the disagreement 
but you were taking like trolling and turning it into like an actual art form. Okay. Nobody's ever, would you, nobody's ever framed a question to me like that before. No, nobody's ever framed it like that. No, but I know what you're saying. And I think you are, I think you are exactly right. When we did the rap year book, I remember how, how nervous I was about that, about putting out a book and being like, this is the most important song of every year. It just felt weird to me to do that, to be like, I didn't know. It felt weird to show up into a conversation to be like, I'm the definitive voice here. And this is why, like, it didn't make any sense to me to do that. So the way that we battled that, Samantha and I came up with the idea of, okay, cool. If we're going to make a pick, we should have an alternate pick in there and rather than me writing about it let me let me email some of my rap writer friends who know more about rap than i do who live in different parts of the air of the country than i do who have like different perspective on things and let's allow them to tell me what song they would have picked Mm -hmm. and and by doing that we're going to alleviate some of the pressure here um well we're also going to say without saying that this is not the correct list this is the list that 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 I put together when I was, I don't know, 32 years old or whatever it was uh, at the at the time, 33, um, still just a, a child. But this was a this was a list that I made, and this is not the definitive list, and there should be some disagreements and arguments here, and that's that's fine. And we did the same thing with the with the basketball book. This is not me making a, a declaration here. This is just this is me talking about some stuff that I like. And then we did the same thing. We did the same thing with the movie book. This is just me talking about some stuff that I like. And hopefully you will recognize the feelings in it that we were just talking about. Um, but you're probably going to not agree that you think Pitch Perfect is like a w- wonderful movie to watch. Or Bloodsport is a wonderful movie to watch. Or Jason Statham is like an incredible talent. I mean, you're probably not going to agree with with those things. And that's, and that's fine because that's not what this – this is not an academic book. This is just somebody gave me some money to tell people how I felt about some things, and that's what's happening here. And uh, it, we're just trying to do it in, in, in as sincere a way as possible. You basically took this thing, like, which is like, if I say, you know, I like Nas, and I put that on the internet, right? And I'll say Nas is the best rapper of all time. A person could respond to me, but they go, fuck yourself. That kind of unspools this long conversation, right? And so much about, you know, books is they're like a very flat experience, right? It's a person telling you a thing, right? Yeah. And you don't really get to like say anything back. One of, one of the, the, the beautiful things about, you know, that book was like, it kind of, it took this sort of, you know, this ongoing conversation, which is music, and it, it made a very three-dimensional uh, thing that exists like on the internet, which is quite interactive. It's argumentative. It's, you know, kind of a, a never-ending discussion, right? And it, it put it in, you know, in a, in a thing you could get and you could kind of look at it and be like, okay, like, here's a lot of information, you know, and then here's people arguing, you know, another point. Um, there wasn't a lot of uniformity between, it's not like you just asked me to respond to every fucking year. Right. You know, it was yeah. like each year had a different person with their own experiences. So it was kind of very unique in that sense. And, and, and it's the one book that I have to say, like, I can go into a lot of people's houses and they and they almost like universally have it. You know, it's kind of like um, just a book everyone has, you know, they've given it as gifts. 
Um, and, you know, for some people, they're really there aren't a lot of hip hop books. So it's kind of like this thing that they can just get and they can kind of tap into it in a very real material way um, and, and get a, a lot of like information as a resource. Um, not to like, you know, just keep going on and on about it, but I mention it because there is a television series in this book um, and that airs, um, if I'm not mistaken, October 13th. Uh, Correct. So maybe you can, you know, fill our listeners in on just what went into that. I mean, how involved were you in it? And like, and just kind of give us a little peek behind the curtain of of what people can expect with that show. I mean, how's that sound? (laughs) That's... (laughs) That sounds that sounds great. The so the show you're talking about uh, is called Hip Hop: The Songs That Shook America. It's six episodes long, and each episode, very similar to the book, is about a different song that like changed things. The six songs are "Jesus Walks," "All Right," uh, "Rock Box," "Elevators," "The Bridge," and "Ladies First. Those are the six songs that, that ended up getting picked, um, executive produced by Questlove and Black Thought from the from the Roots. Also, Alex Gibney is like an Oscar winner. Um, it's like this whole whole big thing. But yeah, they somebody bought the rights to the book, and then they sold it as a TV show to AMC, which does like Breaking Bad and Mad Men. It's like a prestigious channel, and so they went off and they and they made that show, and it turned out really fucking good way better than than i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be just like you know you've seen 45 rap documentaries before um but maybe not directed by these two guys who directed it maybe not with with the like editorial oversight of of uh, the black thoughts and and alex gibney it's just really really beautifully shot and conceptualized and to answer your question how much involvement did i have i had Little to none. I figured out very early on that I was going to contribute a minuscule amount to this to this process. I don't know how to make a TV show. Um, I don't know how to like show run a TV show. I don't know how to whatever. I don't know how to do all the stuff you need to do to make a show like this. So I just sort of got out of I got out of the way. That's what I did. And it worked out great for me because <laughs> they made this incredible thing and I got to put my name on it as an executive producer or producer or whatever it is. And there you go. That's that's how that shit worked. You weren't that involved. I mean, um, well, what was your involvement? Describe, <laughs> not, that, well, no, describe not that involved. Okay. So here's here. This is the extent of my involvement in the show. Um, we had a couple of, of phone calls early on, or let me I'll start from the very, very beginning. Uh, I went to New York to go meet with Questlove and Black Thought when, when the production company was pitching them the idea of coming on as executive producers. So I went up there for that. What was that experience like for you? I mean, had you ever met them before? Uh, no, I'd never, I'd never met them. This is a fucking crazy experience. I'm just sitting there trying not to sweat too much. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to to not screw things up. So we walk in the room. Um, we met at some like a studio. 
Questlove and Black Thought are in there. I was like, oh shit, these are the guys who I've been listening to for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years or whatever it is. Uh, just incredible talents. Incredibly smart, incredibly insightful. And they're just re- like right here saying very nice things um, about how they would like to be involved in the project and how they would help and this and that. Like It, it was almost like they were they felt like they were trying to sell us and it was a total opposite. We were like, if, they, if we get these guys involved, this is going to be a great win. Um, so we go up there, we do that. I don't say anything the whole meeting, Paul. Not a, I don't say a word. I introduce myself. I sit down. Some of the guys do some talking. And then at the end, I like gush for a few minutes how starstruck I am. How like, you know, these are my favorite songs I did. This was like, a, I really like when y'all did this. So question about that or whatever and then and that was it and then i left and then i found out later on they were they agreed to be executive producers so that happens i did that part it was the most involved i was in any part of the process and again i didn't say anything the whole meeting until the very end when i just became completely unprofessional uh and then i had to do a uh and then i they then i got emails like okay we we sold it congratulations we're gonna start brainstorming on songs and blah 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 and you know here's the phone number if you want to be part of this conference there's a video conference or an audio you can do what you want and so i called in one time i called in exactly one time and Questlove was there black thought was there the directors were there and uh, the showrunner was there everybody was there sort of throwing ideas around and it was like any time any sort of insight that i had about anything they'll be like oh what about this song and i would say something um quest love and black thought would have like a better version of whatever i was saying or a first-hand account which is crazy like i'll be like oh i heard about this crazy party that happened one night in new york in like 1997 and this person was there and that person was there and this other person was there and whatever like it sounds like an incredible time and then every single time i did that quest love and black thought were like oh yeah i was at that party like i rode to the party with jay-z and queen latifah and i was like what the fuck why am i here I'm not helping at all, at all. So I just didn't call anymore. Uh, I said, that, well, clearly they, they have this under control. And the showrunner reached out uh, and asked if I wanted to see any of the footage. And I was like, all right, I mean, I guess send me what you got if y'all are working on this thing. This is a Jesus Walks episode they were working on. And she sent it to me, and I saw like a rough cut of it, which has like placeholders in there and like watermarks for stuff they hadn't got the rights to yet and whatever but it was clear that they were making a beautiful thing not just a cool thing but a beautiful thing and like a tender thing which is always my favorite way to handle covering anything and so i saw that i saw 20 minutes of the jesus walks episode the rough cut version and i i said ma'am this is incredible this looks beautiful you guys are doing a great job and please don't send me anymore i just want to watch it on tv when it comes out and she was like, "All right, cool." And then that was it. And then I, and then uh, several months passed, and I started getting update emails and and like flyers and like this happened or that happened or we're planning this or we're planning that. And that was that was it. That was all that I did for the entirety of the show. I just I I got out of the way. That's all. Like I, if you're not gonna help, then get out of the way. That's the lesson I learned from Kendrick Lamar, and. I mean, he didn't tell me personally, Paul. He just says it in a song. Um, and that's all I did. I haven't watched any of them. I watched the 20 minutes of the first one of Jesus Walks, and then I didn't want to watch any more. I wanted to wait until they were on TV. So, like, I'm excited to see the 
the I didn't even watch the full Jesus Walks episode up on YouTube. I didn't I didn't watch it. I haven't seen All Right. I haven't seen Rock Box, Elevators, The Bridge, Ladies. I haven't seen any of the other ones. I'm oh, excited wow. to sit down and watch it with everybody else. If I have to pick like which of those I'm the most excited about, probably Elevators. Because that's that's the one on the list where you're like, why is this included in here? The other ones make like, oh, Jesus walks. I get it. Or all right. okay, cool. That became like the anthem of the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, I get it. Ladies first. I get it. Elevators. You're like, hold on a second. Like, we're talking about the outcast song, right? You have to do that first. And they go, yeah. And then like, okay, why? Why? What did this song do? What was so important about about this song? Like, I'm excited to see. Mm. Was Ele- Elevators was in the book in the rap year book? I don't remember. Um, uh, exactly. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, that, that's uh, why I, I'm like I don't remember that being in there. Um, like, because yeah, I mean, Elevators is a great song. I don't know if it was the best song of like you know whatever year that was, 1998, something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they didn't they didn't actually use your picks per, per se uh no the only the only one that uh that was out of there actually no none of them we we decided to go all new songs and and that's again like the, the reason like you mentioned about the about the book like that none of this stuff is is right if anything these are probably closer to to right than anything i did because they were picked by quest love and black thought who have a much more profound understanding of of uh rap music than than i ever could or or ever will so yeah these are this is all all new if i could rewrite the book if i could if there if somebody gave me money to write the book again i would pick all new songs and go from there and that's just why it's fun which i mean what what's a song in there um like you know you got that wrong is there one oh and uh in the book, a song that I know that I got wrong. Yeah, you know? you're like, fuck, I, I know this. I, I'm so stupid for doing that. Uh, is there one that you come back to? No, there's not any that just sort of jump out at me as immediately wrong, but that's only because after I made the picks and I just researched heavily on it, I was able to like talk myself into them. There are There are definitely songs that I would like to swap out just because I would like to spend some time with them and, and write about them. So there's that in there. But again, that, that just comes from me being now a little bit more of a confident writer at the time when I wrote that book, I was really trying to like make sure I nailed every single pick. I sent it to like several people, the final list and was like, Hey, can you look at this? Like writers that, that, I felt like there were older writers who had covered rap for a long time. And I was like, can you look at this and tell me if you, if I got most of these right or did I get these right? Blah, blah, blah. Um, If I wrote that book again now, I would worry less about trying to get it right and more about just writing the stuff that I cared about. Like there's no, for example, uh, there's no chapter in the book about uh, juvenile. Or, the, or 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 no limit or that whole thing. There's no Missy Elliott chapter. There's no Master P chapter. Um, and I, if I wrote it again now, like those were rappers who were really important to me when I was growing up, I, there, those chapters would would be in there. Um, only because I'm just more confident now. 
Right. I mean, and it's also like, I mean, that was your first book. Um, it, that was about, I guess, six years ago or so. Uh, no, no, not six. It was about four years ago, right? Uh, it came out in 15. So, yeah, four years. It was about four, four years, years ago. ago. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, right? I mean, like the thing that people, I think, don't realize about books is that they kind of need a framework or a shape in order for them to really like exist. Um, and, uh, or at least that one did, um, you know, uh, the new, the newer books, right. Have been a little more at your discretion, right. It's like very vague, right. What the fuck does other things mean? It means whatever the fuck I wanted to, whatever the fuck I wanted to mean. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I mean, it's like, yes, I'm going to use movies as a lens to kind of open up a whole bunch of, you know, other things that I'm thinking about. Um, whereas that book, it was like, you know, it, it kind of had a little bit of a structure to it. It was almost like an internet list that, you know, was basically could have existed on like say complex or something, but it was like, you know, much longer and more in depth. And of course, I mean, it, it had, you know, interesting graphics and all these, you know, uh, different aspects of it that, you know, made it more, uh, of an interactive experience. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would love. There's a ton of shit I'd love to write about. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, who the fuck cares about this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I totally want to. I totally want to write an essay about like all the like Wu Tang offshoot groups <laughs> and how they're they're actually the story of Wu Tang. Just nobody, just but nobody's ever gonna fucking you know ask me to do that. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you you can go back and we can go back and redo redo that whole thing. Like, I don't know. That's just, but again, that's just how it works. That's sort of why we're doing the stuff that why we're doing the stuff that we're doing. But maybe maybe a publisher is listening right now and they're like, "Oh yeah, let's rewrite." I wonder if you're allowed to do that. You we, like, I don't want to add on to the old rap year book. I want to redo every single song. And I think the the only one I would have trouble with would be like, "What do you do for 1979?" After that. After that, it opens up a little bit. 1997, for example, um, if we're talking about Missy Elliott, like, okay, that chapter now belongs to The Rain by Missy Elliott just because I'm sure I could come up with, with reasons why it should be there. Um, right. The whole, like, Virginia rap angle, the whole this this new superstar, this, like, new kind of rap that she that she brought in that it sort of laid the groundwork for the weirdness of, like, Lil Wayne's late 2000s run or what we're seeing now like i don't know you probably tie that tie that all back in there but i wonder if anybody has ever done that just rewritten an entire book and i wonder if they would let me do it um, that's what i'm gonna that's what I, I, i'm I gonna pitch that there's a case to be made for for a a revised edition uh or b uh, like a different a new volume of it you know what i'm saying um and just you know expanded updated um, or, you know, a second edition, you know, different songs. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, it was definitely like, <laughs> it, it was definitely an interesting concept. And I do remember, you know, I remember very specifically, you know, going to the event that you had in New York. Um, I can't remember what bookstore that was at. Um, and, I want to say it was like at McNally Jackson or one of those fucking places. And no, um, it wasn't there. It was at a, um, 
it was almost like an event hall that had books in it. Mm. And I can't remember what it was called. It was really cool though. I really, yeah, I, really... I can remember I can remember that and I and I remember, you know, a few of us like in the crowd, you know, just people who had been writing about music um for however many years and just being like, yo, can you believe how many people are here for this? You know? Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot. It was, it I was, was terrified that day. I was terrified nobody was going to show up. Mm-hmm. It's like, dang, we're in New York. We're going to, this book is going to come out. There's going to be 10 people here and, and eight of them are going to be just my internet friends. And I'll never forget. We, we came riding down the block. We were in like a, a I don't have a car in New York. They just, like an uber basically and we're riding down and then we, we turn the corner and there's like this fucking long ass line and i was like i wonder what this is for and then it turned out that it was to get into the the book thing and we got out of the car laramie and, uh, i have laramie with me we got out of the car as soon as we get out and we step out the people who are right there they just start cheering and they're like yeah shay whatever this is like the i guess the first time they'd ever seen me in person and laramie immediately started crying and it was just like this very overwhelming beautiful experience and yeah that was wild dude that was really fun wow that's 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 uh that's really crazy i mean i guess she was just she was just overwhelmed by like just i mean it's really interesting right because um particularly for like you you know i don't know i mean she's like on the internet. I mean, she's not like a non-internet user. Um, I sometimes talk to my wife who doesn't, doesn't really, you know, utilize the internet that well. And she doesn't really understand. I shouldn't say, well, she doesn't utilize it the way I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And we kind of like talk about like, you know, reactions to things and like internet fame is like, is like, it is fame, but it's also like kind of its own, like, it, it, it's like its own world right like have you ever tried to explain a meme to somebody <laughs> they just look like you look at you <laughs> like what the fuck are you talking about like they have no idea like what the jordan meme is if they don't if they yeah. don't engage with the jordan meme you know what i'm saying like it's like what do, why, why why would anybody laugh at that you know and you're like no trust me it's funny you know like anytime <laughs> it's funny you know but um so I could kind of see how it, it could be like this thing where, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you know, in San Antonio um, and it's like, it's hard for your partner to really like see the effect of what you're doing. Right. They kind of have a sense, right. They see like numbers, but they don't know if it's like real, you know, is, is that, would, would you be, would you agree yeah, but I would say that it extends beyond just her and to me as well, because I was surprised also. This was all just on my cell phone up until getting out of that car. That You forget it's real people. Um, like you're saying, you just see the numbers and you're like, oh, that's cool. The, we sold 8,000 books or whatever. Like, cool, I get it. Um, but like 100 people showing up to a place, 200 people, whatever it was, it's it's like extremely extremely overwhelming and and then also you know I just sit at the, my computer all day long all by myself. This the, I I've had one other conversation with the person today uh, for the, another interview that I did this morning, and but other than that, it's just me in my office alone, and it's it's easy to sort of get sucked into believing that it's just you by yourself. 
Right. Well, it's a powerful thing, man. That's that's why, you know, like writing is very like fascinating in that way because it's it's a complete reflection of of your thoughts, right? They just kind of get beamed out there into the universe and then you're like, "Oh shit, like people are reading this." You know? Does your does your wife get um annoyed that you're on the phone so much? Not really. She understands now that it's part of the job. We had that conversation after I became a full-time writer and because it's, it's, if you're, if you're not in that space, it's weird to think about like if your husband is just, it, it looks like you're just, why are you watching old rap videos on YouTube? Why are you watching basketball videos on YouTube? Like it, that doesn't look like uh, what a job is or what a job should be. So it was weird in the beginning. Uh, but then at, at this point it's, it's totally normal, especially when like the book stuff is happening. Uh, she already knows if the book comes out in October, October 8th, then probably from like September 1st to October 31st, you, you're not going to see a whole bunch of my face. You're just going to see the top of my head as I look down at my phone um, as I'm doing whatever it is that I need to do for the for the book stuff. So, yeah, it, we've been doing this long enough that she understands that the part that part of the job same as i understand uh she's in graduate school right now and it's like on certain days she has stuff that needs to get done so she's just gonna be unavailable and you know i I take care of the kids keep them out of my way while i do this and all right cool i get it you know what i'm saying yeah i mean you mentioned your kids and i and you know i wanted to ask you about that um because um well, I mean, I feel like in a sense, right, like uh, if people like follow you online, right, up with like they know your kids, right? I think I think one of them is you have one that's like very young, right? It's like five maybe. He's six. Six. That one, um, I feel like I grown up with him. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you remember when he was born. Right. Um, but I think you've sort of dialed down some of your sharing of their experiences like over the last year or so. Would that be fair? Yeah, that's that's definitely true, because the older ones now are seventh grade seven. Mm-hmm. So they're they are they are around kids who are on the Internet as well now. And it's like, right. uh, like I remember one of uh one of their friends commented on a picture that Laramie posted on Instagram. And she was like, who is this person commenting on this picture? And then it turned out it was like a kid um, that had been to our house and for a sleepover with the boys, whenever they, they had like their little crew of kids they hang out with or something like that. Right. She just told me, Hey, this one of the boys friends commented on a picture of them on the, on Instagram or something. And I was like, okay, like stuff needs to start changing now um, just to be a little more respectful of, of them. Like these are, these are their stories. Now they're old enough that they can own these ideas and these thoughts. So let me be, uh, you know, let me be respectful here. So it was just straight up like, Hey, do you, do you care if I post a picture of you on the internet? Um, whatever, we're playing basketball or something. And they're just like, nah, don't do that anymore. And I get it because there's a, like, you know, I remember having that same feeling with my 
uh, with my parents, like a, a parent posting a picture on the, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and like saying a nice thing is today's equivalent of like you giving your kid a kiss on the cheek in front of their friends. And at a certain age, they start to become like uncomfortable with that thought. Um, so yeah, that's definitely over the last year or two uh, with those two, especially it's been like, all right, you guys, you asked for me not to do it. So I won't do it. The smaller one though, he's still cool. He's like, go, go nuts. I like it. Right. Right. It's, everything's fair game with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're still sneaking into my room to sleep cause you're scared, then you can't tell me not to post a picture of you. Sorry. Right. <laughs> you have no authority in this fucking, in this conversation. <laughs> this is like, we'll make a deal. You start sleeping by yourself all the time. And I'll stop posting pictures. <laughs> what is happening on that note? What is happening with the, um, the ABC show? Is that still moving forward? Like what's the deal with that? Uh, the ABC show that we sold, Dead on the Vine, uh, it became like a one of those situations where ABC, we got to like the end of the process and they go like, ah, we don't want to do it. Um, thanks for everything. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll see you later. Uh, the TV stuff is like, it's way better than the book stuff. I'll tell you right now because they pay you a lot of money and you don't have to make a thing. Like they paid me a bunch of money to write a script. And then, and then they ended up not making the show, but you still get the money. And it's like, imagine if they paid you to write a book and then you turn the book in and they never put it out. And so you don't have to worry about like the stress of all of that stuff. You don't have to design it. You don't have to do anything. There's like, you sent some emails and, and that was it. So that, that ended up happening at ABC. And then, uh, some other people were like, oh, you know, we would like to make this show. And I said, all right, cool. Go nuts. And I said, well, you, you got to come out. You have to be in L.A. for like five months if you sh- shoot a pilot or something goofy like that. And I didn't know that ahead of time. Nobody told me that. And so I was like, oh, no, thank you. We'll just – no thanks. And then that was that. And so now any of the like TV stuff or movie stuff that I work on, we enter it under the understanding that I'm not going to go out to L.A., like I'll go for a few days if you need me to. I'll sit in the room and like brainstorm ideas, but I'm not going to be out here for months on end because if I wanted to move to LA, I would have moved to LA instead of moving to San Antonio. You know what I'm saying? But the ABC people were super cool. Like they knew it was my first time working on any of that stuff. They answered all. I asked a thousand questions. Um, this guy Mike Sure, who I was working with, was like one of the fucking coolest dudes I ever worked with. Uh, super, super talented, and also. I didn't even know at the time when we started working together, I didn't know anything about like the TV landscape or the Hollywood landscape. I just walked into a room. Moe's from the office was on the other side of the couch looking at me and we just started talking and he was, he was like as nice as it, as it gets. We talked about TV stuff for like 10 minutes and then the rest of the hour we were just bullshitting about being a dad. He's a, he's a father as well about like, different sports games that we'd been to or he whatever we were just like being friends all of a sudden and i come to find out later on he's like one of the most fucking powerful people in television who has made every good show of the last five like he did good place brooklyn 99 the office parks and rec like um 
he worked on Master of None. Like he's done a bunch of shit, and he never once mentioned any. If I did all of that stuff, that would be the first thing I said in every single conversation. I'd be like, "Oh, by the way, did you know that I'm worth a hundred million dollars?" Every conversation I would mention that, and he didn't do any of that, any of that shit. You hear all these horror stories about like how terrible everybody is in Hollywood, and I'm sure there are bad people out there. Clearly, there are bad people out there. But like Mike was cool. His manager, this guy named David, was cool. The ABC people were all, were all. It was like a very positive experience. I was like, as soon as it was over, I was ready to do it again. At another place, we pitched another show, and that show got picked up, and then it got cut, and then we pitched another. Like we're just, I'm just pitching shit all day long, and like, if a thing sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But like, let's, you know, it's fun to work on. Right, right. What did you say that guy's name was? Mike sure. No, no, not Mike. The the you, you said the 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 um was it Mike you, you were saying had, had all those shows? Yeah, Mike did. Oh, oh I, I thought I thought you mentioned another name. Um but yeah, he's got no. a manager this guy named David who is who is really cool. Uh for example, like this is this is how cool David is. We, I I only got to meet him once or twice. Um, we were on a few emails and a bunch of phone calls. Uh, but when I was doing the book I remembered that he had mentioned something about John Leguizamo. And I just emailed him out of the blue. It had been like months. And I was like, hey, Dave, what's up, man? I miss you. How are things? Blah, blah, blah. Like, is it possible for you to connect me to John Leguizamo? Because I want to try to ask him to write the forward for the book. I would not talked to this guy in months. And he was just like, oh, no sweat. I got you. Like, consider it done. And then two days later, I was on the phone call, on the phone with John Leguizamo. Like, just a foot, like. Just cool dudes helping out people. Like it was, it was really a really positive experience. Well, anyway, bro, um, really like wish you, you know, a lot of um, luck on this book. Um, you know, it's been sad. Um, somebody who, you know, try to hire you, whatever the fuck year that was. <laughs> um, you know. Just somebody that is um, a fan, you know, um, um, like really just glad to see, you know, a lot of these things that have, you know, uh, happened. Um, book writing is not easy. I would know. I'm fucking working on one right now. <laughs> and, you know, um, television is not easy. I would know. I'm working on things like that right now. <laughs> and, you know, it takes a lot of effort just to even write a sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy to not do it. Um, so, you know, to pretty much, you know, be a person who's gotten paid and, you know, I would assume paid well to um, pretty much uh, do exactly what they want these days. I mean, it's really like commendable. There's not too many people that like, right and anybody gives a fuck about so even that you know in and of itself is really fantastic and you've done it you know coming from a not necessarily big media uh center um you're pretty much like you know in fucking nowhere (laughs) (laughs) no disrespect Uh, you know what i'm saying so there's a lot of you know really like you know great stuff about your like journey man and uh like I just say that, you know, um, yeah, like just really proud of you. And you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I hope the book is successful. I'm glad that, you know, you were able to, um, 
come on the podcast and you know and talk about it, man. Um, so I really appreciate that. So I just want to say that. And, yeah, I'm um, excited. Excited too. I don't think I don't think a lot of people know you were the first person to offer me or to like try to hire me to be a, a proper writer away from freelancing. First one to show up. Um, it was you. I think you were at AOL at the time or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were like, "Hey, come work with me at AOL. Like, I'm going to give you a job, and we're going to we're going to do yoga in the office or some crazy <laughs> shit like that." Yeah. I never forget. And this was like very. And this was just like straight up over Google Chat. You just hit me up one day. Um, but yeah, you were the you were the the first one. I never forgot that. Yeah, I mean that wasn't um, you know it wasn't long after that that I wasn't even working there anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, had this, we had this brief window, you know, where it was like they were going to hire somebody, little money, and um, like you know, my thing is like if there was going to be one, really good, you know, like and my feeling is I'm very like um, I maybe maybe I have some baggage or whatever. But like in New York, it's like a little bit of a circle jerk, unfortunately, you know, and people do a lot of hiring their friends and, you know, just they know a person. And I've always been somebody that like, you know, is more so just interested in if a person has good ideas and like can they can they get something to pop without knowing a person? Right. It's like it's like some rapper shit. Right. It's like can you be a rapper from like fucking new Orleans and that nobody knows. And you all of a sudden have some song that's amazing that everybody needs to hear about. Right. It's not that different, you know? So I've always looked at writing that way. Things, you know, um, it's just like, can you be dope without connections? Um, and I think like of those people, I mean, I might've, you know, back then asked like two or three people, you know, and, um, yeah, um, like I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I guess I have an eye for talent. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. All right, all right. I don't know what it is, but um, <laughs> anyway, man. Um, thank you for coming on, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, people can pick up the book and you know get get fucking interested in all the shit that you know we've been talking about. Um, that would be really great. Yeah, man. All right, man. Uh, thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bro. Later. Later.